So here we are. We're beginning Advent. How about that? It's Christmas time. Um, this is the first Sunday of Advent, and our passage is going to be from Luke. The series that, uh, that we're going to be doing over Advent is called Prepare the Way. And so we're going to talk about that, and the passage out of Luke 21 um, is going to, I'm going to read, begins at verse 25. I'm going to read from the message. So it's a paraphrase, not a direct translation, but uh, it really is a powerful uh, message for us this morning. Verse 25, it will seem like all hell has broken loose, sun, moon, stars, earth, sea, in an uproar, and everyone all over the world in a panic. The wind knocked out of them by the threat of doom, the powers that be quaking. And then, then, they'll see the Son of Man welcomed in grand style, a glorious welcome. When all this starts to happen, up on your feet, stand tall with your heads high, help is on the way. He told them a story. He said, look at the fig tree. Look at any tree, for that matter, when the leaves begin to show. One look tells you that summer is right around the corner. The same here. When you see these things happen, you know God's kingdom is about here. Don't brush this off. I'm not just saying this for some future generation, but for this one, too. These things will happen. Sky and earth will wear out. My words won't wear out. Be on your guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties and drinking and shopping. Otherwise, that day is going to take you by complete surprise, spring on you suddenly like a trap, for it's going to come on everyone, everywhere at once. So whatever you do, don't go to sleep at the switch. Pray constantly that you will have the strength and wits to make it through everything that's coming and end up on your feet before the Son of Man. This passage for the first week of Advent for this year points directly to Christ's coming. And you probably didn't miss that there's just a little bit of what's called apocalyptic language in this, a little bit of end times focus on this, language that speaks of all hell breaking loose, of panic and doom and that kind of thing. But the overall tenor of the passage, and I don't want us to miss this, is one of hope and encouragement. Jesus also says this. He said, when all this starts to happen, up on your feet, stand tall with your heads high. Help is on the way. Your Redeemer, your redemption has come. Signs are going to be given. God's people have to be alert and pray constantly that you will have the strength and wits to make it through everything that's coming so that on that day you will end up on your feet before the Son of Man. And it almost seems inevitable that some of our local churches and some of the, our, us are going to get in, are into singing Christmas carols immediately. Thanksgiving's over. Let's jump into Christmas carols. Some of us might watch those Hallmark channels, those Lifetime movies that are so wonderful. And <laughs> we love the lights. We love the food. We love the music. We love the family gatherings that raise our anticipation of the season. And so we jump really quickly right into celebrating the birth of Jesus. It's a celebration time. Now, for me, I was raised Roman Catholic, and I have no real memories of Advent as a season. And that's probably not their fault. That's probably my fault because I probably didn't pay much attention. Um, but I've had some conversations with some of you over the past few weeks, and I know that some of you also have went to churches that we sang the hymns that allude to the nativity, but we didn't talk about the season of Advent, the season of Advent, this time that we're in, which, which is more than, than just the baby Jesus. 
for me, as I've grown in my own understanding of this season, I've developed a little bit greater awareness of the need to wait, to reflect, and to prepare during the weeks prior to Christmas and that Christmas day that we love to celebrate. And it's helped me to spend more time thinking about how the gospel message has multiple implications for our daily living. That's from matters that pertain to our personal lives to matters that pertain to us as a congregation and us as a people, to even matters that pertain to the world and to our nation and, and, and outside of us and our community. The United Methodist Book of Worship states the following in reference to Advent. The season proclaims the comings of the Christ. And that's not a misprint. The season proclaims the comings of the Christ, whose birth we prepare to celebrate once again, who comes continually to us in word and spirit even now, and whose return and final victory we anticipate. So the Advent message, the message of Advent should not just be about the baby, but also should be about the return. It's a message of the already that has happened and the not yet still to come. The not yet of our, here's a, here's a good word for you, our eschatological hope. Everybody knows what that means, right? Our end times, the end, the end times, this eschatology, our end time hopes. We have such a hope in Jesus Christ. And our passage for this Sunday in Advent, Jesus is uttering a prophetic message concerning the future. Several signs are about to precede the final coming of the Son of Man, and those can be interpreted and are interpreted often as, as you know, distress. They can bring anxiety to us. They, they can bring hopelessness, and there's a lot of preachers out of doom and destruction standing around on street corners and doing all kinds of stuff. That, that's what they're preaching is, is this look at it's all bad and it's all, you're going to be doomed and all, of, all that kind of a, of a mentality in preaching. I think that they hurt the church and hurt the credibility of the church more than they help the church. But let, do not be, you know, don't miss that the, what they're underneath all of that, that judgment is real, that that judgment that they're talking about is a real thing. The end times preachers that point to that. But here's the other thing about that. It's a judgment about injustice. What are we doing about injustice? It's a judgment about the inequalities in our, in our life and in our world. What are we doing about that? It's a judgment about an indifference towards love and compassion and unity. If we're being indifferent about those things, then we need to examine our lives. We are to be engaged in those struggles. We are to participate in those struggles. It's one of the reasons that we love the One Life or One Race movement around here. That the, the solution for racism is found in Jesus Christ. The solution for racism is going to be found in Jesus Christ. It's the building of relationships across racial divides. It's the building of relationships across denominational, congregational divides. It's when we get together and we start doing ministry together, that's going to be when we know that we're making a difference when it comes to racism. We are to stand against racism. It's in Christ that reconciliation comes, and it's in Christ that revival comes. 
And true revival is going to come when we stand up against the issues of injustice and against the issues of, of inequality and against the issues of indifference. And here's the truth. These things should be the hallmark of the church because they are the hallmark of our Savior. When, they, when, when people look at the church, they should see us doing this because this is what, exactly what Jesus did. He, he crossed lines. I read something this week, and ironically, it was a Facebook post. And I, this is the first time I'm probably I've ever used a Facebook quote in a sermon. But it struck me. Nadia Bowles-Weber is a Lutheran pastor out west for All Saints and Sinners Church. And she was talking to her husband, and he told her this statement. He said, Nadia, the thing that sucks is that every time we draw a line between us and others, Jesus is always on the other side of the line. Well, so we draw, oh, we're not going to cross, you kid. And there's Jesus over there going, hey. Why don't you step over here and join him? Because this is where I am. You're going to go where I am or you're going to stay where you are? And that's the challenge for us in the church. See, that's why he came in the first place, so that those lines can be crossed. And when he returns, he's going to be expecting us. He's going to be expecting the church to be in the business of crossing over the lines. We're supposed to be in the business of, of reaching beyond ourselves. We're supposed to be doing that on a daily basis. If you see someone that, that isn't like you, then reach out. You know, let's, let's be in the business of going beyond ourselves. Because we have such a hope in the deliverance and in the in the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ, we have the hope that the world needs. And the passage points us to that, that there's hope on the horizon. Don't go to sleep at the switch. Now, that may not be the most biblical interpretation, but don't you love that? Don't go to sleep at the switch. Because if you go to sleep at the switch, you're going to miss it. Don't miss it. Don't go to sleep at the switch. Pray constantly that you're going to have the strength and wits to make it through everything that's coming and end up before the Son of Man standing on your feet going, Hallelujah, glory to God. Praise to you, Jesus. See, for the Christian community, Jesus' message of end times is not about doom and gloom. It's about joyful expectation. Because that's what we have, a joyful expectation in light of the coming kingdom. And that promises us release for the captive, deliverance for the oppressed. That's us. That's who we are. That's what we are as the body of Christ. We are an already and not yet people. That's how we live as Christians. Advent, this season, is an opportunity for every single one of us. It's an opportunity to focus not just on the six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus that Ricky Bobby talks about in Talladega Nights. <laughs> Love the six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus, don't you? Hallelujah. That ought to get an amen. Love six-pound. Yes. Sorry, I just went to, I'm beyond you like a spider monkey. <laughs> we love the six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus. But that's not our whole focus. Need not be. See, we also focus on the return, the not yet, of Jesus who's going to come and who's going to restore the world to the original intent of Christ, the original intent of God's creation. Now, for those who live to step on others, this message of Jesus is a message of judgment. But... It's an opportunity to turn. It's an opportunity to repent, to draw near to God this season of Advent. For those of us who cling to the promise of God, the coming kingdom is the time to look, to look, look up for with hope and celebration. Jesus said, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Your redemption is drawing near. And there are many passages that point to the not yet of Jesus. 
And I think it's important to be aware of signs of the times, so I want to touch on those, a few of those. There's a lot. Matthew 24, Jesus himself said this. He said, many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and you will hear of rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still not to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. An increase in false messiahs, an increase in warfare, an increase in famines, plagues, natural disasters. Now, fortunately, none of that is going on in our world today, so we're probably safe. These are signs of the end times. In this passage, though, we're also given a warning. We're not to be deceived because these events are the beginning of the birth pains. The end is still to come. Now, the most prominent sign of the end times happened actually a while back now. It was in 1948. Israel was recognized as a sovereign state, and that was the first time, I think, since AD 70 when, when they were dispersed, when the diaspora happened. And the reason that's so important is prophecy. In Genesis 17:8, God promised Abraham that his posterity would have Canaan as an everlasting possession. They're back. Ezekiel 37 has Ezekiel prophesying a physical and spiritual resuscitation of Israel. It was necessary for them to come back to have a land. The book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, point to ha Israel having its own land as being important in light of end times prophecy because of Israel's prominence in this eschatology, this end times theology. So there are many signs to pay attention to that will help us to discern the end times somewhat. We should not, however, interpret any singular event as a clear indication of the soon arrival of the end times. God has given us enough information that we might be prepared. We might be prepared for it. And that's what we're called to be as our hearts cry out, come Lord Jesus, come. Wow, Mike, that's a pretty weird Christmas message. Where are you going with this thing? Look, I know that Christmas has become a time of presents and trees and tinsels and shopping and a whole lot of other things that really don't have a lot to do with Christ or have a lot to do with the advent of the Christ. What I am pointing to are these two things. Yes, we want to celebrate the birth of Christ. We want to celebrate the already of that birth. We want to celebrate that the kingdom has come to us, that we are, when we say yes to Jesus, we step right into the kingdom. We want to celebrate that, so we want to do that. But there's a not yet in this as well. The not yet is that this season we need to be prepared and be thinking about and be remembering and reflecting on, he's coming back too. Where am I? Am I ready? Am I paying attention to those who are on the other side of whatever line that I've drawn? Celebrate Recovery is all about reaching beyond lines and being across that one race. The things that we're doing in here, the mighty they're about reaching across lines that many people draw and say, well, you can come this far, but you can't come further. We're going. I don't care if you come. We're going. Amen? It's about remembering our Savior. 
And Jesus himself is the one who said he's coming back, so I'll, I'll, I'll take it on his authority. When Matthew 25, he said, the Son of Man, when the Son of Man comes in, in his glory and all the angels with him, he's going to sit on the throne in heavenly glory. John 14, 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. And later on, he talks about in that same chapter, he, said, he speaks more on the promise saying that he is telling this ahead of time so that when it happens, they'll know that it's true. Already. Not yet. So th- what I'm talking about this morning is mainly the not yet of this season. We're to be prepared without getting lost and trying to figure it all out. Paul wrote this to the church at Thessalonica. He said, now concerning the times and se- seasons, brethren, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, sudden destruction will come. But you are not in darkness, brethren, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day, and not of the night or the darkness. Yeah, we love the six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus that's with the presence under the tree in the evergreen. But the cross signifies more than that as well. So this season of Advent, we're going to look at things maybe a little bit differently than what you're used to during this season because we are an already and not yet people, people who have already experienced the kingdom life that comes when it, from, from the recognition that, that Christ has come, that his salvation is here, that the Holy Spirit indwells and it fills us up, but it's more than that. We're also a people of great expectation on the second coming of Christ that when he comes back, we need to be prepared for that. Already? Not yet. So we're going to spend this Advent season in both places because both are important and critical for our faith. If you'll bow with me. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your son. I thank you that you sent him to us. And I thank you that he's coming again. Soon, perhaps, perhaps later, help us to be prepared. Amen.